Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with Ron Hebert, the financial coach. He's, he's seen the ups and downs as we're seeing right now. I, I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. I've seen them too. So, Ron, we can relate to what's going on right now. And it's a very scary time for people who are investors, especially if they've just started investing in the last two, three years. We've seen some really good upside. Now we're seeing the other side of what can happen in the markets. And what a lot of people don't understand is that markets do move in cycles. There's longer-term cycles, what they call, for example, a presidential cycle, where markets tend to move over the longer-term and four-year cycles. Um, but there's also yearly cycles, and we're going to take a look at one today called the November to April stock cycle. So, I mean, the market doesn't end in between uh, May and October, but there's parts of the year where the markets do really well, and there's other parts of the year where markets really don't do that well at all. And you can actually build this into a strategy with a little bit of intu instu uh, intuition. I mean, there's ETFs out there. They follow this strategy. And according to Stock Traders Almanac, 10,000 invested in the 30 stocks of the Dow Jones Industrial Average between November 1st and April 30th of each year between 1950 and 2017, so you're looking at literally 67 years, would have grown to $1,008,721 and given you a return of about 7.5%, which is about the long-term average. Now, 10,000 invested between May 1st and October 31st each year over the same time span would have expanded to a meager $11,031 over the same 67-year period and giving you uh, annual rate of return of 0.6%. So what this is telling us is that You want to stay away in the summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. November to April is the time of the year where markets generally, you get virtually all of your performance. And the next six months of the year, frankly, over the last seven decades, the performance has sucked. Okay, so a lot of people will say, well, how dependable is this? And, and I can cite a perfect example. I remember the day in 2008 you and I met for lunch. And that was the day that the markets went, whoops, and they went down. That's an exception, right? Yeah. And so there are a number of exceptions to this cycle. It doesn't happen every year. The market collapsed in 2008. Was a when we were having lunch was a perfect example of that. So was the Arab oil embargo in the mid seventies, where there was a, a period where the the cycles got reversed. In fact, of March of two thousand nine, uh, typically instead of being sort of the end of that that six month cycle, markets turned, and in two thousand nine, uh, they started to go straight up. So March ninth of two thousand nine, I remember it sitting at my desk and wondering, as I watched the powerful rally that day, whether this was the final turning point. And it turned out to be. Not that I predicted it, but, you know, after you see it happen, you go, I wonder if that's the turning point. Well, it turned out to be it was. So there'll be, there'll be some times where this, this strategy really doesn't, uh, uh, really doesn't work, but most of the time it's been pretty accurate. Okay, so what's, let, let's talk about why the reasons are. Why are markets kind of flat? between April and November? Well, there are uh, many explanations as to why this works, but uh, there are three to me that seem the most logical. The first is that, you know, 
you always look at the fall. The great crash of 1929 occurred in October. Uh, the crash in 1987 occurred in, in October. A lot of times what happens in fall is stock is, uh, you know, you've got a typical stock and you have analysts that cover it and they give earnings estimates as to what they think that stock's going to do over the, over the year. Now, they tend to be overly optimistic in the spring and their forward estimates of what is going to happen to the company's earnings over the year are typically 20, 30% too high. By the second half of the year, they end up having to scale back their, their expectations, partly because they've got egg on their face, and the other is that, uh, you know, uh, they, the reality just isn't there. So these less rosy financial numbers lead to reduced share price targets, and they can, tr- can trigger stock selling, especially among traders. And the other reason is they call it window dressing. And window dressing is just simply where mutual funds, their year ends are generally October 31st. They like to get rid of the potential losers before the close of the fiscal period so that the dogs don't show up on client statements. Because typically with mutual funds, once a year you get uh, um, information. Yeah. Yeah, you get the annual report, which is telling you what they've got in it, and you're seeing all these dogs in there. Well, uh, you know, it's not very good marketing for the company, so they call it window dressing because usually on October 31st or whatever days around that, uh, the people who the, manage these portfolios, they get rid of their dogs, but if they think they're going to come back two or three days after the end of October, they end up buying them back. So, you know, you've got a lot of turnover happening in, in, in late October. And so a lot of people think that because the mutual fund companies, they, they're doing window dressing, they're adjusting for taxation, uh, that's a time where they're selling off losers and, and matching it against selling windows, tax loss selling, that, you know, you see a lot of market um, turnover. And, it's, and the other reason is, is especially in spring, you know, you pay taxes at the end of April. And if you're a corporation, usually you have to pay them by the end of June. And often you get surprised by how much you owe. So people have to sell down. Corporations have to sell down uh, their investments to become more liquid. And that's just another reason there's uh, typically a sell-off often in May. Okay. Uh, What about the other side of that? Why do they go up from November to April? Well... Gord, when did you when do you usually make your biggest financial decisions over the last forty years? Well, yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, right at the end of the year, first of January, February. That's usually, you know, when we uh, well, you sit start down thinking about, t- you know, how much tax am I going to have to pay? How much extra money do I have? Should I be buying something here now? Yeah, that's that's yeah. the time of year, right? Yeah, you know, in in Canada, we call it RSP season. In uh, in the U.S., it's 401k season, you know, so that's typically where one of the culminating financial events for most people during the year is their tax-free savings account, uh, registered educational savings plans, RSPs. Money's rushing in, and of course, once it gets invested in these particular registered plans, then it goes on and and it flows into various investments, and a lot of that ends up uh, in the stock market. And of course, that pushes prices higher. And secondly, you know, analysts tend to revise uh, up their earnings at the beginning of the year. As we said before, as time uh, goes on throughout the year, analysts realize that their estimates are generally 20 to 30% too high and they ratchet them back. 
But at the beginning of the year, I don't know whether they've had too much eggnog or whatever it is, Gordon, but they tend to be very optimistic. You know, they're talking about this company is going to do really well this year. And, of course, if you put money in an RSP or another registered plan, you're going, well, if it's, uh, if it's, if it's got such a rosy outlook, maybe I'll put money there. So money's pouring in because everybody's positive. Okay, so what do we do if we're an investor now? How do we maybe take advantage of this cycle? Like here we are now in the summer. Should we be laying low, if you will? Well, there's investors that literally take advantage of this cycle. And as we've talked about on this show over the last four years, is there's many, many strategies to use if you're investing. Now, this is a fairly simple strategy, but... It's not a strategy that you use one year and don't use another. It's a strategy that if you're going to use, you do it over a longer period of time, not months, not weeks, not days, but years and decades. So the first thing you do is that in literally in November, um, you move money into a broad uh, stock index uh, or ETF like the TSX Composite or the S&P 500 ETF. And then you, you sit there with that ETF and then until April. And then in April, you move your money out of the market, you move it into a money market fund or a GIC for the next six months. And then every six months, you roll from equities to money market and then back again. And historically, if you've been able to do that, you've been able to get around most of the really bad periods in the stock market and take advantage of the times that are going up. So, you know, this is a strategy that I know people that have done it for years, and uh, it's a strategy that, frankly, has gotten good returns. It's time efficient. You don't have to spend a lot of time doing it. You've got to make an investment decision twice a year. That's it. It reduces volatility, and frankly, it's easy to execute. So, if you're looking for a way to play the markets, to invest, where it's not going to take a lot of your time, you don't have to agonize about it, and historically, it's reduced more of the volatility, this might be something that you could look at. And and I think the other thing that we should add to that is it, it eases your anxiety, right? Like if uh, when markets take a bit of a tumble, as they have done recently, if you've been employing this strategy, you're sitting back saying, well, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm laying low right now. I don't have to worry about it. You know, and, and that, that's a really good point, Gord, because most people have, a, I think they have a far bigger appetite for risk and volatility than they actually do. And so by taking uh, a strategy that has reduced a lot of the risk in the market um, and just systematically applying it over the years, uh, it's a way to reduce that risk. I found that uh, a lot of people and it's called the sleep point, get to the point where any time markets go down more than 25%, they're up at night, they're pacing the floor, they're worried about their investments, and of course, as markets dip below that 25% point, don't forget the last three bear markets, 2020, 33% down, 2007 to 2009, 57% drop, 2000 to 2002, 49% drop, that people just emotionally, they can't handle those kind of, of drops. And this is, has historically been a way uh, to prevent those big losses from happening. You know, like I say, there are exceptions to the rule, but over the long term, when you're 
out of the market in the least volatile times and you're in the market when during the times where historically it's produced the best, uh, this is a strategy that people can look at. All right, there you go. Some sage advice from the financial coach, Ron Hebert. The uh, November and April cycles, something to think about it. But as he pointed out, this is a long-term strategy. Don't just try it once, and if it doesn't, if it fails to click, as Danny Gallivan used to say on Hockey Night in Canada, don't abandon it. It's something you've got to stick with, right, Ron? Yeah, you know, there's many different types of strategies, and we're going to be talking about numerous uh, ways to do this. You know, there's the dogs of the Dow buying um, the Dow stocks that, that have the highest dividend. Uh, there's buying the dividend aristocrats where you're buying the 20, com- 20 uh, you know, buying companies that have paid dividends for uh, and increase those dividends for at least 25 years in a row. And, you know, there's the dogs of the TSX. There's the buying the bank strategy, buying the bank with uh, the highest dividend, the lowest PE. There's all these strategies that over the long term have actually done quite well. And you don't have to do them every month, but you have to stick with them. So we're going to be covering a lot of different uh, strategies here over the next couple of months that will allow you um, to look at ways to increase your returns and to get steady returns without a lot of, and then help you reduce your volatility. But these are strategies you can't do for one year. These are strategies that are, that, involve a really long-term commitment if you want them to work. Okay, back again next week. Remember, if you have a question or a show suggestion, and and we've had a number of those, and we really appreciate it because, you know, like we kind of get locked in and nice to see something from the outside say, what about this one? And we're happy to do it. But as Ron has pointed out in the past, it takes us a little while to get the info and the ammunition to do the show. But please send them to us to our website at letsmakemoney.ca or through cfcw.com. The information the presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. Money. On behalf this of the material is presented Hebert, for Gordon information Whitehead. purposes we'll next only week. and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.